Hi, and welcome to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and I'm here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. This season, we're discussing 10 traits of impactful Christian teachers, characteristics we need to focus on if we want to go beyond just teaching academics and make a significant impact in our students' lives. We're discussing each trait one by one to see what the Bible has to say about it and what it looks like day to day in the classroom. Last week we talked about striving for excellence, but this week we're going to talk about one of the most important topics, how to show Christ's love. I don't have to tell you that love is powerful. In our homes, our classrooms, it's love that makes that significant impact, what changes hearts and minds. We've seen its power and we know what it's capable of. Listen to a few scriptures. Galatians 5.14 says this, For all the love, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said in John 13.35, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, these two scriptures and many others make it really clear that the entire Christian life can really be boiled down to love. It's where everything starts and all the other pieces that we like to focus on so much actually should go back to and must stem first from that genuine love. So if we're going to have an impact in our students' lives, we need to not just say we love them, but show them that we love them. They need to know it. There should not be a doubt in their mind that Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, They love me. I might not agree with them. I might not like everything they do, but I know they care about me. So today we're going to talk about that. What are some specific ways that you can show Christ's love to your students? Before we get into the specifics, I just want to acknowledge that this is not always easy. You know, there's certain students, they are easy to love. No problem. But there's others that aren't. But interestingly enough, those students that are hardest to love are normally the ones that need it the most. I'm sure you've heard that before, but we need to be constantly reminded of it. Those students that are not very lovable are the ones that most desperately need you to show them Christ's love, and they're the ones that Christ's love can make the deepest impact on. And if you're struggling with this, just remember, love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Our culture does not tell us that. Our culture tells us to follow your heart, to do what you feel like. But we're not supposed to do what what we feel like. We are called to choose love. And it absolutely is a choice. And if you choose it, then often those feelings will eventually follow. So on the days when when love is hardest, we can choose to show God's love to our students. Here's a few ways we can do it. Number one, by being patient and kind. Those are one of the first things um, listed in 1 Corinthians 13 when it talks about love. Um, Paul says, love is patient and love is kind. Man, this is easy to say, but we all know it's actually quite hard to live out. You know, when, (laughs) how many times have we reacted to the question, what are we supposed to do again with anything less than patience or kindness? And, And we just know that there's always something else coming up. But are we striving Are we trying to be patient? Are we trying to be kind? This is a challenge, but it's something we should be working on. So number one, are we patient and are we kind? 
Simple but powerful. Number two, we should be seeking our students' best and not after our own interests. You know, you're a teacher. You know what it means to put others first. I mean, your life is given to serving those students and doing what's best for them. But that doesn't mean that selfishness can't sleep in uh, or can't slip in. You know, it's when that grading is seeming to swallow you. I know about, I don't know about you, but I tend to get really task focused and like shut everything out and just be like, I got to get this done. And maybe I miss what a student needs. You know, obviously we have to get things done, but true love isn't concerned as much about what's best for me as it's concerned about what's best for my student. It gives and gives. And we had a whole season on balance. So I hope you understand. I'm not saying not to take time for yourself. We've already talked about how important that is. But, um, so you need to take care of yourself. But who are you concerned with helping? Are you concerned with seeking the needs of your students, putting those needs above your own? And if you're wondering, how is that possible? How am I supposed to take care of myself and put others first? It's one of those paradoxes of scripture. Um, We need to take care of ourselves, make sure we have that energy to pour out into our students, but that's where that other part comes. Are we pouring that out? Are we helping them as much as we can? So number one, love is patient and kind. Number two, love does not seek its own. Number three, we shouldn't be easily provoked. You know, thankfully, I don't have a big temper, but still, don't those kids know how to push all those right buttons? Uh, There's definitely been those moments where I just wanted to scream at someone, and I, um, although I've never actually hurled chalk at a student, there have definitely been times when I responded with less than complete control, um, to put it kindly. Uh, But when we're thinking of love, true love is not easily provoked. It loves even in those frustrating moments. Unless you get discouraged, remember these are goals. We're working towards this. We're asking Christ to perfect this kind of love in us. And that's really the question. Are you striving in this area or do you not care when you yell at your students? So just think about that. Am I working on this area? And I'll tell you something. When you do mess up, and we all do, and you you, you fly off the handle, Do you apologize? That apology is powerful. It shows your students that you respect them um, and and that you do love them. So um, don't don't be afraid. Don't don't let your pride keep you from apologizing. It's very powerful. Number four, these these first four all come from 1 Corinthians 13. If we want to show love, we should not think evil. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love thinks no evil. You know, as... As teachers, we often have those one or two students that just seem impossible. You know, the one you secretly wish would just transfer to another school or, you know, you're kind of doing cheers in the back of the room when you see that they're absent. But as I said in the beginning, these kids are often the ones that need our love the most and they desperately need someone to believe in them. So you've probably, uh, you know, these, these students... That, that, that's the question I have to ask you is, do you think evil of them? Do you assume the worst of them? Listen, I know they've proved to you time and time again, possibly, that this is what's going to happen. But we can't go into it with that. We have to give them that fresh slate each day. Remember, they're children. 
their teens. They're growing. They desperately need us to believe in them. And if we don't believe in where they are right now, we can believe in their potential. Believe in what God can do in their lives and where they could be in, say, five years. And I have to tell you, sometimes these kids, believe it or not, can turn out to be your biggest blessing. And I don't have time to share the entire story. I've shared it elsewhere. But I will just say I had one student that was that was the student. So frustrating, caused me so much grief. And I had her for three years, and the first year was just miserable. But over the course of that second year, something happened and things gradually changed. And by the third year, um, she was the biggest joy. She would come talk to me all the time. Um, she was a pleasure to have in class. And um, she even told me, I can't believe what an idiot I was as, as a sixth grader. I just got her, and it, that's been four years since I taught her, and um, her graduation announcement was sitting proudly on my fridge for weeks. I was just so honored that she thought of me to send me one. She sent me Christmas cards. Um, honestly, she turned into my biggest blessing. So I just want to encourage you, those students, keep working in them, believe, keep working with them, and just believe in them. Believe in what they can be um, if as God works in their hearts and in their lives. Number five, Show interest in your students' interests. You know that student that loves to doodle? Do you ever ask them about their art? The student that's really good at basketball, do you talk to them about that? The ones that are into skateboarding, do you talk, do you ask them what anything about that? Just showing interest in what they're interested in is powerful. And it not only shows them that you're you care or love them, it often will actually make them even more engaged with your subject because they know that you value their interests. Number six, we should treat our students how they are, I'm sorry, treat them how we would want to be treated. This is the golden rule, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, this doesn't mean that we do whatever our students want. I think that's obvious. But ask yourself questions like this. How would I want someone to confront me if I'd done something wrong? Think back to when you were in school and how teach, different teachers reacted, you know, or had to confront you. Which ones made you feel loved and cared for, even when they gave out discipline? And which ones made you feel stupid, embarrassed, ashamed, um, you know, just mad, um, you know, think about things like that. Or well, what about on the opposite, opposite end of the spectrum? You know, when you think back when you were in school and you did something really well, what did you want your teacher to say to you? What responses really resonated with you? And of course, all students are different and we need to, you know, treat our students differently. But just ask yourself, just think through that sometimes. How would, how would I want my teacher to treat me in this situation? And let that inform your decisions. Number seven, if we want to show love to our students, we should expect a lot of them. Now, this might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but this is that tough love. True love doesn't let students stay where they are. If we really love our students, we need to believe in them and deeply desire what is best for them. That means that we hold them to high standards. We have big expectations for them. And we bring out the best in them. And that's just really powerful. So don't ever think that loving your students means just making everything easy for them. No, not at all. True love believes in them, 
expects a lot out of them and shows them that they can do more than they ever thought they could. Number eight, you can show your students you love them by telling them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You know, how many times have we been told, and this is especially common in our culture right now, that it's mean or it's hateful to tell someone that what they're doing is wrong or a bad idea. That's simply not true. That is a lie. If you truly love someone, you don't allow them to continue down a destructive path. Genuine love speaks the truth, humbly and kindly pointing out what's wrong and showing them the right way. So correcting and guiding students is a powerful outpouring of love, as long as you do it exactly like that, in love. So once again, you know, obviously, this you are in a relationship with these students. You are their teacher. You are their mentor. You are going to have opportunities to speak to them, to guide them, to mentor them, to help them. And so just, just I, w- I just want you to understand that, that true love doesn't just push everything under the rug. It confronts situations. It helps people grow. Um, it doesn't just, I, I use air quotes here, I support you. That's not true love, simply supporting people in their poor decisions. Um, and this can be really obvious. You know, this goes from academics to areas of character to lifestyle choices, it it runs the gamut. When you have an opportunity and a student is coming to you or you have an opportunity to speak to them about an area of their life or academics or whatever it is, just keep that in mind. What they really need, if you really love them, you will help them grow and you will guide them into truth and not just blindly support whatever poor decision they're currently making. Number nine, an important, important way that you can show your students you love them is to meet a tangible need. You know, um, I think it's in James, um, where um, James, I guess is the author, is talking about, he says, you know, if you see your brother or sister that's in need, destitute, in need, and you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and fed, but don't give them what they need, what does it profit? And I think sometimes we do this. We see a need and we say, I'll pray for you which is important. We should be praying for them. Um, Or we say, I hope that works out. But we don't do anything about it. Now, I understand, especially those of you that work in uh, poverty situations, we cannot possibly do everything for everybody. But maybe we should be asking ourselves more often, is there something I can do? What can I do? You know, something really simple. Um, A gift card to McDonald's. A, uh, you know, this and this works, you know, a co-worker's struggling and we, you know, buy them a pizza to take home to their family. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the need is. Um, those are more specific for financial needs or some if someone's grieving or what, whatever the case is. Is there a way to meet a tangible need? We can't, like I said, we can't always do it. But maybe we should start asking ourselves more often, is there something tangible I can do in this need? And when we can... Let's go ahead and do it. I just have two more ways you can show love for your students. I'm sorry, actually three. Number 10 is to be there for them. Pretty simple, right? But there's those important moments. Um, 
Are you able to go to their basketball games? I know sometimes you can't. I, I couldn't get to a lot of games. I, I lived really far away. I had my own family to, to worry about. But when you can, do you go? Do you try to make the school plays? Um, are you there for them in those tough times when things are going poorly at home, when there's a tragedy? Are you there for your students? And then what about every day? Are you, do they just know that they can come to you and talk to you? Um, do you have times available for them to do so? Number 11, encourage your students. Everyone needs encouragement. And just simply encouraging them, cheering them on, and just helping them in that way can just do wonders to show them that you care and to encourage and uplift their own spirits. And finally, the last way that you can show your students you love them is to simply tell them. It's okay to tell your students, I love you. Um, I would probably use this more in a corporate, uh, in a group setting than I would individually depending on the age. But either way, I think it's always, if you do it in the right way, I think students always appreciate it to know that you do love and you do care for them. In closing, you might be wondering, how on earth can I do this? This kind of love is impossible. We've talked about being patient, being kind, not being provoked, believing in our students. This sounds impossible. And I will tell you that it is. This type of love is not a human love. It's a divine love. It's God love. It's God's love. You see, love is listed as one of the fruits of the spirits in Galatians 5. This means it's a result of the Spirit's work in our lives. Just as the fruit of an apple tree is produced by the apple, I'm sorry, just as the fruit of an apple tree, an apple, is produced by the apple tree, so the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit. It's not something that we can do on our own. It's simply Him loving through us. That's why it's so important to spend time in the Word to listen to the Spirit, to pray and be close to Him. As we yield our lives to the Spirit, we will allow Him to produce His fruit in our lives. We'll talk more about the fruit of the Spirit later. Um, but in the meantime, I hope we can just um, just think on this and just pray that we will love our students more and more each day. Let's pray to that end. Lord, thank you so much for these teachers and just for this opportunity to speak with them today. And I just pray that you will just grow your love in their hearts and just help them to love their students today and every day. Help them to remember that none of us are perfect, but just help them each day in and out to just shine forth your love into their lives. Work in each of us and in our classrooms. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll join us again next week as we talk about the fourth characteristic of impactful Christian teachers, and that is that we teach for the heart, not just the outward behavior. Look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime, if you have not joined the Teach for the Heart community, I hope you'll head on over to teachfortheheart.com slash mission and join up there. Um, you'll receive practical encouragement and advice all from a biblical perspective and receive that in your inbox each Monday morning. If you'd like any of the links and notes from this week's podcast, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash season three. Look forward to seeing you next week. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a